Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. Joining us in studio now is Guy Bantelman, brother of Neil Bantelman, of course, the teacher imprisoned in Indonesia. And, of course, we've all heard of Guy's uh, endless uh, endless mission to try to bring justice and get his brother Neil back home again. Uh, joining Guy in the studio with us is a man by the name of Paul Hogue, and, and we'll introduce him in just a second and exactly how he fits into this picture. But first of all, Guy, uh, thanks for coming in. Give us a bit of a, an update on Neil and uh, how things have progressed since we last talked. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Obviously, we're uh, a lot of wait and see at this point. We are moving forward with the judicial review that uh, we're going to put forward to the Supreme Court in Indonesia. And and really what we've kind of learned over the last several months is that this document really has to focus on new evidence that we can provide. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just brand new evidence. It's also evidence that was potentially um uh, rejected that shouldn't have been rejected at a mm-hmm. lower court. So something that has more of a, a bit of a judicial flair to it that right. they dismissed for the wrong reasons. So you don't want to go back over the same roads, so to speak, with this. You have to bring something new to the table. Yeah, they've been very clear that bringing up evidence that was already talked about and accepted potentially right. is almost a, a slap in the face saying, you know, we, we gave it to you once and we're going to bring it up again. And we're trying to show that you were wrong. That's that's not what we have to do. We have to pers- we have to provide them, and we'll, which we've talked about before, a face saving opportunity, and that is new evidence. Does it, does it have to, as well as new evidence? Do you have to supply some sort of face saving out for them? The new evidence is the face saving out. Uh, there is no question in the discussions we've had. They want to they want to basically be able to open a book up that says, you know, this is new, that's new, oh, we didn't know about that. Well, we can change our decision now because we didn't have any of these facts before. Right, right. And, and that's really the game we're, we're playing right now. That must be so frustrating, and I know it is. We've talked about that uh, for several months. Uh, so timeline on any of this at this point, or are you still... We're just- probably looking at getting at least a, an initial draft of the judicial review sometime in late September, early October. And then we're probably looking at three or four months. I, I think there'll be some back and forth as there's discussions about, you know, what is this piece of evidence? What does it mean? Can you provide additional information or different points on it? And I think it's going to be a very iterative process as we go through and, and understand how they digest, interpret the information. You've been through this so many times, it seems, so many of these how do you feel about this one? Is this the last kick at the can? Uh, this is the last kick of the can within Indonesia. There's no question about it. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some other avenues that we can pursue, and they get a little more technical and um, a, a lot more aggressive as time goes on if, if we have to, to right. go down that path. But I, I feel that we're getting some some good guidance, even from the, guiding, uh, the government in Indonesia there, almost, you know, pointing in the direction we need to go. And, you know, some might say... You Do know, you get the they're, feeling they're looking for an out? Uh, I think for Neil specifically, yes. You know, that's gotten inter- too messy? Yeah, the international pressure, you know, you still see it from the British, from the Americans, even from the Canadian embassy there. They're they're very aggressive in, in what they're doing. And, you know, I know in the discussions I have with the government, they are being as aggressive as as diplomatically they can be. Right. right. And uh, that's positive. And, and you're happy wanna... with what the Canadian government has done to date? Uh, the last, you know, eight, nine months, absolutely. Right. Yeah, there's been a change. So how did you meet Paul and, and, and discuss this relationship? Yeah, so uh, Paul and I uh, met uh, early on in the saga, about October of 2014. I was introduced to Paul as, as someone who had a lot of experience in dealing with 
these sorts of in, in, uh, incidents, uh, government affairs, uh, individuals that were, you know, wrongfully accused, but just in the, in the wrong place at the wrong time, mm-hmm. or, and, and just having these sorts of issues. And Paul and I have worked together. We've probably met at least weekly over that time period. Um, and given Paul's background and, you know, where I kind of see myself going as this saga plays out and, and, and really, you know, the feeling I have that there are a lot of individuals that potentially get into these situations, not of their own doing in some cases, uh, but getting, you know, incarcerated in another country, being accused of something in another country, it's, it's not what we expect it to be. We expect mm. Canadian, North American justice. We expect a process uh, and, and that doesn't happen. And the government only has so many rights. Again, it's every country has their own legal yeah. system, their re- legal code, and you cannot uh, assume what Canada can do. Canada can't go in there, pound on the table, and get somebody released. That just does not happen. So, Paul, uh, give us a little bit of your background, and how does this case compare to others for you? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, uh, some time ago, as, as Guy has alluded to, uh, I was introduced to him through, uh, through a media uh, a friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been rather interesting um, over the last year or so in dealing with, uh, with Guy's particular case. And um, what had happened was I had kind of put uh, my former company to rest, if you wish, and decided after having some discussions with uh, Guy that we should resurrect it uh, because there was a great need for it. Uh, my background uh, corporately initially was in, was uh, directing government and public affairs for a very large corporation, and I think it was in 1987 that I had decided to uh, put that to rest and form my own boutique company, which would be involved, and I wasn't quite sure at the time how it would be involved, uh, but what happened was it kind of morphed into a, um, a rather large corporation with offices in Budapest and Hungary and also in Ankara, Turkey, and, and another office in Canada. Uh, dealing with situations in, in, in this particular case, initially at least anyway, in Eastern Europe during the time of the uh, Ceausescu government falling. And um, what had happened was we had, uh, had gone in there to do some work for, a, uh, for, partic- for the government. And uh, it became rather obvious that in, in dealing with some, there was actually a Hamilton connection to that too, mm-hmm. that particular time. Um, it became rather obvious to ourselves that uh, my company that there were an awful lot of people that were incarcerated wrongfully. Uh, That's because uh, the first thing that came to my mind when 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 Guy was talking about this was: is there that much of a demand for this? But clearly, there is. There is actually uh, in in talking with a, a contact of mine who who was formerly with uh, Foreign Affairs and what have you. They suggested to me that any given time, and I don't know if the numbers are, are accurate or not, but around two thousand Canadians, many of which are in the U.S., of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would think probably you could boil that down to several hundred that are either. Um, especially incarcerated and, and, and aren't be giving due process. Mm. I think that's the way to say it. The hostage part of it uh, is now um, much larger because of the situation with, with organizations like ISIS and mm-hmm. Boko Haram and, and so on and so forth. Much more difficult to deal with that. You have to bring in a whole different uh, skill set of people, of which our company does but have, those, actually. But those are the sorts of cases that you're dealing with? Those are the sorts of cases that we, we will be dealing with. Um, I think we have to boil it down just a little bit. The, the, the GAC International will actually be dealing with, there will be, be a corporate side to that, where you're dealing and managing political and security risks in, 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 in hostile environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, so we'll be supplying clients with in-depth investigative and analysis and, and handling you know sensitive political situations. Then there will be the personal side of that, which could possibly come out of the depending. Uh, for example, there are a great number of Canadian mining companies which deal with um, organizations which provide them with um, very expensive insurance because a lot of the people that work for them are right. being incarcerated or held hostage and they're being held hostage for obviously for money. Um, so the corporate side of that would come into that, but you know, play into that yeah. also. Um, my specific background uh, is, is all of Eastern Europe, uh, the Middle East. I spent a great deal of time in the Middle East. I spent two years in Iran. Um, working actually initially for a corporation, but then was the liaison between the Canadian and Iranian governments. Had uh, up close and personal experience with uh, with the Revolutionary Guard and got introduced to Evan Prison, etc. Mm. So there, there's an interesting background, and as Guy has mentioned before, there's a great deal of emotion, etc., attached to this, especially if it's a, a family member who's incarcerated or held hostage and what have you. And being able to deal with that also is extremely important. So you you brought Paul into the picture to be a liaison and help you in the negotiation and and uh, and discussions needed to free Neil. How did it evolve from that to, you know what, we've got a bigger picture here and you've now got a different career? Yeah, I I think it came out of um, obviously I, there was there's a misconception about in dealing with the government and how to resolve an issue like this. And again, it's not like you do this on an annual basis yeah, or yeah. even twice or three times in your life. You do it, you yeah. know, hopefully it never, but if you do it once, there's a frustration there. And, you know, it's a full-time job to, to do this. And you get into situations uh, where you demand and expect things from the government that unfortunately aren't realistic. Uh, but if you don't know that, you then take on a persona of, you know, your head, hair is on fire, you're banging on desk, and, yeah, and that's yeah. not solving the problem. That's yeah. actually making it worse. Mm -hmm. uh, you need that independent third party, which we hope to fill and broker that type of relationship to, to give you an idea of what to expect from the government. So, you know, how do, how do I get that phone call answered by whoever at Global Affairs? How do I get the media on my side? What are we trying to pursue here? Um, you know, how, how do you do simple social media things, Facebook, Twitter, you know, those sorts of uh, of. Uh, mediums to try and get your case case out there. Um, you don't want to be continually um, wrapped up in this and moving in a negative direction yeah. because unfortunately... Wasting your energy. Y yeah. You are. And yeah. once you start getting negative, you're never going to get out of that spiral. And, and that's where, again, we hope to, to broker, as I said before, that, that whole psychological impact that something like this has on you. And, and we've been clear with global affairs. It's, it's their job to be, you know, uh, to provide assistance, both consular and, and um, here in Canada. But after that, it is the jurisdiction of the country you're in. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to talk to somebody else about that, about managing through that process. You talked about the impact something like this has on, you know, the lives of the individual, their family, your extended family. I mean, we've all been a part of that as you've been telling this story for years now. Yeah. How do you make the decision to take this personal battle of yours that you you know put your blood, sweat, and tears into, and think, I, I want to do that all the time. You know, like you know, it may not be as emotionally draining because it may not be an immediate member of your family, but boy, there's got to be a lot of similarities there, which I obviously would help. But yeah, I, it's, I, it's a difficult position. Yeah, I think you know what I'm hoping to achieve is that people 
see what you know we've been able to do as a team you know they get to know you know my name and what I can provide in the event that this situation comes up uh, and I'm able to assist people and I think I, I sit down and or you know, I close my eyes at night and sometimes I think about what's the silver lining what have I learned from from this situation with Neil you know one thing it's it's taught me is that you know I've had to be a little bit more uh, understanding of of a process and really l- let it run itself and not be as reactionary as as I am and I know I am. How uh, frustrating <laughs> is that? <laughs> it it's very frustrating. I, uh, as a person who's the same way, I, I mean, I'm sitting here listening to your story. I, I'm grinding my teeth yeah. half the time. How do you balance that? You, you have to you have to almost let it go at a point. You know, you have to you know. I'm, I'm depersonalize lucky. it. Yeah, I, I'm lucky. I'm able to talk to Neil on a regular basis. I see how uh, hear how strong he is, and um, again, if if I can help people who get in these similar cases and understand, you know, the process we're going to go through, and this is not a solution for tomorrow or next week or next month, even potentially, and at least give them some, uh, provide them with some calm in their life, um, to. To me, and, and making a decision to pursue this avenue is, is something that, you know, philosophically, you know, I want to start achieving. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know what we've done for Neil so far. And again, it is a personal battle. There's no question about it. Uh, but I want to be able to provide that guidance and clarity and and hopefully, you know, avoid another family from going through, you know, not avoiding a situation, but at least helping uh, them avoid some of the pitfalls that are there. It certainly makes you evaluate what is important in life, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what does, what does Neil think about this? Does he know? Uh, Neil knows. Yeah. Again, I don't want this to be a surprise for Neil because, you know, things change on, you know, my LinkedIn profile and things like that. And that's, that's important. Uh, Neil understands that. And I've said to Neil, you know, you know, when you're back and he will be back, you know, maybe there's an opportunity. You, you, you live this, you know, you, you become this resource (laughs) that we can say, you know, we've got, you know, unfortunately an expert here and and both Neil and Tracy have talked about it. And, you know, they're, they're teachers by trade, you know, they're, they're good at speaking and, you know, there is obviously a a huge potential opportunity there. So what motivated, what attracted you to this? Is it the frustration, the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm doing something, but I could be contributing more what what makes you put your blood, sweat, and tears into something like this? I, I think it is, honestly, the calls that I received from Neil's case, where people have reached out to me and said, you know, how are you keeping the story in the media? You know, how yeah. do you go on on a regular basis? How do you get in touch with global affairs, and how do you talk to them regularly? And I had several people who have family members that are incarcerated in different parts of the world that have reached out to us even before we started down this venture hmm. and wanted to know, and I thought... Well, if you're putting all this effort into reaching out to me, you know, you know, your question before of, you know, the demand, there is a demand for it. Yeah. And it could be as simple as, you know, you get into a bar fight in, you know, in, you know, Jamaica yeah. or, you know, something obviously a little bit more, uh, more, uh, more serious, but it crosses all, all spectrums from that perspective. And it, it happens all the time. Paul, we were talking about this earlier and, yeah. and, and, and Guy brought up the demand. Um, do we just assume that all of these stories are something related to terrorism, something related to what, what Neil is involved in. I mean, do we forget about the simple cases like being arrested in any other country for any other crime? No, absolutely not. Uh, I think very much what I bring to the table is uh, an understanding of the countries, the system that, that exists within the countries, the, uh, because I've dealt with, not particularly in Southeast Asia, but in other countries, the individuals that... Uh, that you have to be able to tap into to discuss the situation with them and be able to move things forward. 
no, definitely you do not forget about the the uh, the families similar to like what Neil's going through right now. Uh, there are a lot more of those than 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 most people would uh, would realize, but not many of them. And a lot of them do not get onto the front page of the newspaper, aren't mm-hmm. you know, in the media. So why um, do you think this one has? Because uh, the individual involved is innocent and he hasn't been given due process. That's Mm -hmm. why. And I think that's why everybody is on the bandwagon saying, you know, this man must be released. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just, it's just been a travesty of of justice and what have you. What are your thoughts on this case specifically and the length of time it's taken so far? Uh, My thoughts on the case, as I say before, uh, when I first got involved, there was a lot of research that had to be done. Uh, and to bring an individual that I brought in at the time also had to feel comfortable with the fact that not necessarily that he was innocent because one doesn't know that at the beginning. One assumes that that's probably the case. Um, but they take a look at that and then um, it became rather obvious to me that uh, there's something terribly wrong here. And, and once we had poured through the, uh, the material and what have you and the evidence and what have you and there was no evidence, this man is innocent, he should not be in prison, he should be released and let's get him out of there. So there's been a great deal of um, work behind the scenes in ensuring that that happens, and it will happen. Um, so where does this process between the two of you go from here? Where, at what stage are you at? Uh, how do you keep focused on this and your bigger personal situation, which is your brother? Yeah, um, obviously. Or are they all one and the same? They're, we're trying to keep them separate, obviously. Um, Neil's case, it's not like, you know, we, we'd probably do something, or I do something on Neil's case every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, because this is really a legal matter per se right now, there, there are things that I can assist with. Um, you know, we've, we're writing some appeal documents and working on that. But there is still a, a piece of time I've got to, to manage, you know, what we're trying to do at GAC Global. So that's, that continues to move forward. We're at a stage now where, again, we've got the website up and running. Um, you know, we've just opened a Twitter account. That's going to start. We've got uh, several individuals on our advisory council. Because this can't just be a, a two-man show. This needs to involve other individuals um, from various jurisdictions and from de- different countries, too. And, and we're starting to achieve that. We've got five individuals on our advisory council that have you know, political ties. They've got military ties. They've got uh, U.S. government ties. And, and that's important, too. Um, and we're at the stage now we're introducing what, what we do and what we can offer. And, and, and it's hard sometimes to, you know, we had a discussion with Global Affairs this morning. You know, what, do you ex- what exactly do you do? And even at Global Affairs, the people on the phone are going, well, I can see them helping in this case, but maybe not here. And we're saying, yeah, we want to be that resource that right. you can, you know, point out to people. Not specifically name us, but put us on a list or do whatever. And Global Affairs is actually going through that process as we speak. They're evaluating how do they interact with the Canadian populace. Are there other services, agencies like this, like yours, that are doing this? Are there many of them? Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. There are a great number, especially in the UK and what have you, the NGOs and what have you that are involved in this type of work. Several of them have reached out to us and we're in the process of having a discussions with them because I think there's some synergy there and we'd be yeah. able to work together, yeah. yeah. Uh, and how has terrorism changed this? Has it, or is, is this always there? It's just that's on the front pages, that's on the news. That's another. That's a whole different kettle of fish and requires a whole different skill set of the type of people. And we have involved, we have some people, one of which is presently on our, uh, our, our advisory council who's quite uh, familiar with that and has worked in that area. It, it would take a long time to try and, and, and 
and delve into that and break it down and what have you. The bottom line is that there there are still a lot of people that are being held hostage now by different organizations, all of which have done so for the purpose of, number one, scaring a lot of people, and, and secondly, and, and 1B, and, and uh, pay us some money and we'll release yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. How do people find out more about this company? What can you tell us? Uh, GACglobal.ca uh, is the website right now. Um, they can look us up on uh, on Facebook also, and uh, you know it's got it's got some good information on the services that we provide and the direction we're going, and uh, you know what we're ultimately trying to achieve. Uh, we've been very um, uh, upfront with each other. You know, we'll be honest with people when they call in and try and give them you know a, a realistic view of the situation and what we can do. And you know, we'll start we'll start researching a, a situation and what we what we can achieve, but. Um, you know, at some point, you know, it's going to be the truth, and people have to, unfortunately, understand that. And it's not always, uh, all, not always good news. Uh, Paul Hogue and Guy Bantelman from the newly formed GACglobal.ca, GACglobal, uh, GACglobal.ca, to find out more something uh, positive that's come out of the situation involving Neil Bantelman. Uh, congratulations doesn't seem like the white, the, the right <laughs> word, but certainly uh, gr- encouraging to know that something like this has come out of such a situation. Thanks both for joining us.